all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Right now at Safeway, shop the big BOGO sale and get all your favorite cleaning essentials. Buy one, get one 50% off. Head into Safeway and shop for select items like Febreze air fresheners, Airwick scented oil refills, Glade three-wick candles, Mr. Clean antibacterial cleaner, Method all-purpose cleaner, or soft scrub cleanser. And get them buy one, get one 50% off. Offer expires November 28th. Restrictions apply. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for full offer details. Look over at somebody and tell them, I'm glad to be here. Tell them that. Out of all of what you had to go through this week, you made it and you're still standing and you're still here. That's a good place to shout, folks. I, I don't know about you. Amen. Listen, we're in week two of our series, Five Easy Steps to Wreck Your Life. How many people are you still working on step number one, that whole forgiveness thing? That, that's, that's good. I'm going to give you step number two. Take a look at this. Do you ever think when life's too good that things go just too smooth? There's an easy way to mess that up. Here's all you have to do. One, you find some boring and hide it underneath your bed. Two, you buy some drinks and let them get all in your head. Three, you go to Vegas or you fall in love online and hide it from your spouse. Then you put the blame on God for bringing all of this strife. It's just five easy steps to, just five easy steps to, just five easy steps to wreck your life. Step number two. I was trying to say it in Spanish. It didn't quite come out that way. Be a good hypocrite. If you want to wreck your life, don't just be a hypocrite. Be a good one. Yeah. Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. Of course, welcome those watching on all of our campuses. Let's say it. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith. And faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word has given me life and life. Shout it out. Amen. One scripture. If you go to Mark chapter seven with me, one scripture, Mark chapter seven, we're going to look at five easy steps to wreck your life. Step numero dos. There you go. Mark seven and six. You got it. He answered and said to them, this is Jesus talking. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honor me with their lips. They, they say a lot of good spiritual stuff. But their heart, or in the Greek, cardia, their mind is far from me. Encourage the person next to you. Say, neighbor, you want to wreck your life? Be a good hypocrite. 
Father, we ask that now you would take these words, Father, and customize them, tailor, make them for us, your people. Father, we thank you that your word is powerful and sharper than a dual-edged sword, and it shall not return unto you void. So I thank you that as this message goes forth, that it would take our lives to a brand new place and a brand new level in you, Father. Lord, that we would represent you well, that, that we'd be believers that would represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords well. So when people look at our lives, they would look and say whoa that's a hypocrite they look and say that person is real and I can hear whatever it is they got to say because I know they're not pretending and a pretentious fake and pontificating phony and we thank you for it in Jesus name somebody say hallelujah high five somebody just tell them again tell them be a good hypocrite be a good hypocrite be a good hypocrite you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now, of course, as we're going through these series, these steps are set up from the premise that if you do these things, you're going to ruin and wreck your life. Now, how many people you want to wreck life? Let me see you. Come on. Put, put your hands up. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. Now, okay. None in this experience. All right. Okay. Now, uh, the whole premise of understanding this is that there are certain principles that the Word of God puts in place. And if we follow those principles, we're going to have some good stuff happen. If we don't follow those principles, we're going to experience some stuff in life that we don't want to experience. And I don't know about you, but I spent enough of my days wrecking my life. I, 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 I don't know who else I got. If I ain't got nobody to agree with me, I'll agree with myself. I've wasted enough of my days doing stupid stuff that wasn't getting me nowhere. Anybody else feel like that? I, I'm not wasting another day. I'm not wasting another minute. Life is here and I got to live it now. I refuse to turn back and talk about shoulda, woulda, coulda, wish I did. No, I'm going to do it right now. High five somebody say, do it now. Live now. Live now. Now, most people, when we talk about hypocrisy, most people are absolutely inaccurate and incorrect about what they think a hypocrite is. Most people think a hypocrite is doing one, saying one thing but doing another. And while that is certainly a portion of hypocrisy, that is not the definition of hypocrisy. I'm going to blow your mind, suck your mind. You ready? Here we go. Hypocrisy is the state of pretending to have beliefs opinions, virtues, ideals, thoughts, feelings, qualities, or standards that one does not actually have. Let me say it to you like this. Uh, uh, hypocrisy is pretending to believe something that you know you don't believe. Uh, okay, let me help you. Let me help you because maybe when you were coming up, uh, you had yourself a case of, of where you call yourself telling them that you love them, but the truth of the matter was is you didn't love them. Uh, they said it to you, and so you figured you ought to say it to them. The funny thing about it is some of y'all still do that. And that's, just, that's what's funny. That's what's funny. Uh, hypocrisy is pretending to have a belief, an opinion, a value, an idea. It's pretending to have something that one does not actually have. Hypocrisy is not simply failing to practice those virtues that one preaches. It is to preach them without believing them. It is to tell everybody else to trust God, yet you don't trust him yourself. It is telling everybody else to pray, yet you don't pray yourself. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. It's telling everybody. Everybody else, you should do this and you should do this and you should do that. But you don't actually believe that yourself because evidence of your belief is found in what you do. So if you want to know what somebody believes, just simply look at what they do. Oh, I wish we would stop getting to where we just take people's word for stuff. But we start being like the Bereans in scripture. Uh, Paul was preaching to them and they said, that's nice what you're saying, but we're going to check it out and make sure that's the same for ourselves. Which means you got to start looking at the fruit of the people that you call your friends. And you got to start looking at the fruit of the people that you call your buddy because if you're not examining their fruit you're going to get hypocrisy you're going to experience that now hypocrisy in the Greek listen to this I love it 
it literally means to act out like a play. It literally means to be an actor, is what hypocrisy means. And Samuel Johnson, he was, a, he was an Anglican poet and author in Great Britain, and he said this, Nothing is more unjust, however common, than to charge with hypocrisy him that expresses zeal for those virtues which he neglects to practice. Since he may be sincerely convinced of the advantages of conquering his passions without having yet obtained the victory as a man may be confident of the advantages of a voyage or journey without having courage or industry to undertake it and may honestly recommend to others those attempts which he neglects to do himself. Uh, see, hypocrisy is not just saying something and, and not doing it. Hypocrisy is saying something but not believing it. And what should eventually happen is what you believe you do. Uh, are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, now, now watch this. He goes on to say, thus, an alcoholic's advocating temperance, for example, would not be considered an act of hypocrisy as long as the alcoholic made no pretense of constant sobriety. Here's what I love about our church service. I love the fact that I don't know very many places where you can go and be real. I know a lot of places where you can get a bunch of religious form and fashion and a bunch of King James English that you don't speak. You don't talk like that every day. That ain't how you, good morning, oh, thus saith the Lord, the Lord God of hosts has ascended me to the high holy hill of Zion and I am walking in the, you don't talk like that. What hypocrisy deals with is it's spewing out a bunch of stuff that one does not actually believe themselves in the hope that eventually they'll believe what it is that they're perpetrating. See, people used to tell people, well, you just fake it until you make it. And, and I need to tell you, that's one of the worst life lessons you could ever be taught. Because what you're doing is not only are you perpetrating hypocrisy, but if you're faking it until you make it, uh, what is going to eventually happen is that you're going to begin to believe what it is that you're faking. And you say, well, Bishop, what's wrong with that? How about rather faking it until we make it? Why don't we just be it? I got to fake something that I am. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, now, we have all been, so, so let's just get this straight before we get into this. We've all been hypocritical about something at some point. We've all done that. So let's just say this together. Say, Lord, Lord forgive us all for our hypocrisy. We, we, listen, we all got the same t-shirt on. We all been drinking the same Kool-Aid. And if you're sitting up here talking about you ain't never been hypocritical, there you go, hypocrite. Now you're a lie. So there you go. You're a hypocrite. Now, now look at this. But being a good hypocrite is making it your practice to be a pretender. You, you got friends like that that the moment I said pretend, boop, they popped in your mind. Because you know ain't nothing about them legit. They always pretending to be this and pretending to be that because they're trying to convince you that there's something that they're not. And you're thinking, I already know the real deal. I don't know why you're trying to sit up and perpetrate in the first place. Okay, y'all ain't going to say it. Okay, y'all don't want to be because you sit next to them. That's why you can't say nothing. Okay. If you want to wreck your life, all you have to do is be a good hypocrite. In fact, the word says there are a few things that would eventually happen to good hypocrites. The first thing the word records, we see in Matthew 24, 51, is that hypocrites, good hypocrites, not people that uh, here and there, no, good hypocrites, where they are professional pretenders, that there'd be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, most people will interpret that phraseology and think those scriptures talking about hell. That is absolutely incorrect. Whenever you see the phrase weeping and gnashing of teeth in scripture, what he's saying is, is they're going to be in a place called regret. 
and they're going to be weeping and gnashing their teeth about all of the things that they should have, would have, and could have experienced. See, what happens is when you're spending all your time being hypocritical, pretending to have beliefs and values and virtues and standards and qualities, etc., what will happen is, is you're going to miss certain opportunities because that opportunity was coming for the real you, not the you that was you contrived. Okay, I can't get nobody to understand what I'm saying. And so many times you have to seize opportunities of a lifetime in the lifetime of the opportunities. But if you're so busy perpetrating and trying to figure this out and trying to fake that person out and do that, what's going to happen is you're going to sit back and look over your life and say, I got a lot of unfulfilled dreams and a lot of unfulfilled visions. Oh, but I think there's some people in the place today and say, God, I don't want to be no good hypocrite. I refuse to look back on my life with regret. I refuse to look back and say, man, I could have had a good marriage had I quit playing like I didn't love her. Okay. Okay. Second thing the scripture says, second thing the scripture says about being a good hypocrite is that you'll lose all hope. In Job 8.13, Job, Job's situation is so unique because Job, the scripture describes him as an upright man. He was a righteous man. Not that he did everything right, uh, but he had intent to always fix those things which he did not do right. Uh, being a Christian doesn't mean you get everything right. That's, that's one of the biggest lies that, quite frankly, the world has perpetrated against us. They'll say things to us like, you're supposed to be a Christian. Now, evidence that I am a Christian is the fact that when I messed up, I didn't stay in my mess up. I came up out of my mess up. So you think being a Christian is getting everything right. I'm here to tell you, then you ain't going to find nobody that's a Christian. Uh, what's being a Christian is when I do make a mistake because I know I'm going to make them. I get right back up from that place and I say, this too shall pass. I'm not going down like this. this. Job was an upright man, the scripture says, and, and he didn't do, he didn't, he didn't do a bunch of crazy stuff. And, and one day God volunteers Job to go through some trouble. I, I don't know about you, but if God's doing some volunteering, my personal preference would be that he volunteered me for the blessing. But often, in order for you to be volunteered for the blessing, he got to volunteer you for the trouble. Because if you can't handle the trouble, you don't deserve the... Sometimes life is like an obstacle course where God says, listen, I got you some cheese on the other side of this thing. But man, you're going to have to run through this maze and you're going to have to make it. There's going to be some times you feel tired. Sometimes you feel like giving up. But if you won't stop, if you'll keep any pressers in the place that say, I refuse to stop. So God volunteers Job for trouble because really what he had on his mind was double. If you read the end of Job, the scripture says that God repaid to Job double. And then preachers took it and said, God will give you double for your trouble. Uh -huh, that's the truth, though. Uh, God gave Job double, but it was only because Job survived his trouble. See, if you want to see great things happen in your life, you're going to have to learn how to survive your trouble so you can make it to your double. Any double saints in the house? Any he said, he said, Job said as he's going through all of this, imagine in two days losing everything. He lost all of his money. He's the richest man in his region. And he lost all of his money. All of his children were dead. All of his cattle was gone. All of his, all of his material possessions were gone. The only thing God left him with was his wife, and she was crazy. Because he said to Job, why don't you just curse God and die? And I know, the scripture doesn't say this, but I know how Job felt. I, he's a man. I know how he felt. Job was like, God, you, took, you let everything get taken but her. And she's sitting up here talking crazy about you. 
you couldn't have got her too? Yeah, let's just be real now. Don't sit up here and act all. No, no, no. Job was like, please take her, Lord. I'll help her come to you. And as Job is going through these ups and downs because he's confused, he's perplexed, he's befuddled because he cannot reconcile why it is that he has been doing everything he knew to do right, yet everything wrong is happening to him. You ever felt like that? Where you're doing everything you know to do right, yet everything wrong seemingly happens to you. That's how Job felt. And then Job said, oh, but Lord, I thank you that I did not allow myself to get into hypocrisy. Because Job says in Job 8.13 that if you're a good hypocrite, you'll lose all hope it's difficult to have hope when you're not exactly sure what you had hope in or about and when you're a good hypocrite you're a good pretender and when you're a pretender you don't know what you even had hope about so on Monday you're hoping your marriage works on Wednesday you're hoping that it ends on Thursday you're hoping that some go you you don't even know what you're hoping for because you're not even sure what you believe Oh, that's why people of God, you got to know what you believe and you got to know that you know that you know that you know and you can't let nobody talk you out of what you believe. I may not see it in my life, but I believe it's going to come to pass. If God said it, I believe it and that's got to settle. Then the third thing the scripture says that would happen to good hypocrites is that nobody would want to be around them. Sometimes people in their lives, sometimes people, sometimes people uh, like, to, like to assign generalizations to every occurrence in their life. So if somebody walks out of their life, they'll say something like this. Well, the Lord didn't want him here. And that, that could be very, very real true. But the scripture suggests that there's another reason why sometimes people won't be in your life. And Joe, again, as he's going through this situation... Job says that, in Job 15, 34, he says that the company of the hypocrite would be barren. Nobody would want to be around somebody that they're not sure which version of them they're dealing with. See, maybe some of the people that walked out of your life, this is just a hypothesis for you to take. It is simply conjecture. Perhaps some of the exits that were in your life were because people got sick of you pretending. Okay, y'all don't like that. See, if I told you God got him out, see, then y'all be shouting. But now when I say that, maybe the reason that those people that loved you and were for you, maybe one of the reasons is, is they got sick of trying to figure out which one you were. Just something for you to consider. Uh, a hypothesis for your perusal. So check this out. Being a good hypocrite means you're going to live in regret. You're not going to have no hope. And nobody's going to want to be around you. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a horrible life. And somebody say, oh, but Bishop, I got some money. So what if you ain't got nobody that wants to be around you? You're looking back with regret, and you don't even have no hope for tomorrow. You're just living for the day. So now, so now look at this. Look at this. Jesus had some very sharp things to say to people he considered to be good hypocrites. In Matthew 23, you can write it down. We're not going to go through it. I'm going to just summarize it for you. But in Matthew 23, Jesus essentially has what is equivalent to a political referendum on rabbinic Judaism. Rabbinic Judaism is just simply uh, uh, Judaism or the Jewish faith led by the hierarchy of rabbis. And in Matthew 23, Jesus lets them have it. He, I, I love Jesus. You know, I love him. 
Because a lot of times people have these images of Jesus as he's some meek and humble guy over here in the corner just, oh, be healed. Oh, touch. Heal and deliver. Oh, I'm just Jesus. I'm, I'm a weirdo walking around eating granola, hugging trees. Uh, he may have hugged trees and he may have eaten granola, but he wasn't a weirdo. But, but check out the point. Jesus was a bold in your face kind of a man. You never had to wonder where Jesus stood because he made sure every time you were around him, you clearly know. See, see, see that's how you, the first step to not being a great pretender is make sure that where you stand is clearly known at all times. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Jesus said, you ain't going to have to wonder why Jesus told his friend Peter. When Peter was tripping one time, Peter said, oh, Lord, stop talking about you dying. You ain't going to die. Peter looked at him and said, listen, Satan. Now, Matt, that's how he talked to his friends. See, the song says, friends. How many of us have them? I tell you how many you got. The ones that tell you the truth. The ones that don't tell you the truth, they ain't friends. They really hate you. Love is found in truth. Truth is, love is truth and compassion. Jesus in Matthew 23, he lets them, he lets them have it. And he wasn't mean and cruel about it. He was just very clear about where he stood. See, see believers, we got to be clear about where we stand. So when people try to come in your house and bring other spirits and all kind of crazy, you got to be clear. That's not going on up in here. I love you, but all of what you got with you, okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing. And in Matthew 23, Jesus, he's preaching, and he lets these guys have it. They think Jesus is getting ready to pat them on the back. And he, I talk about it all the time because I love it. It's, it, is, it is my favorite passage of Scripture. Jesus stands them up, and they think, oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We're finally going to be acknowledged for all of the wonderful contributions that we've made to our great faith. Hallelujah to Yeshua the Lamb. Jesus says, hey, y'all stand up. Y'all stand Ima Imagine this in church. Y'all stand up. <laughs> Woe to you hypocrites. You're worse than snakes. And they can't go nowhere because Jesus' security is on point. So Thomas is like, Amen. get the bathroom. No, but I ain't nobody going to the bathroom today. Jesus. And y'all know Peter was a thug because he'll cut you in a minute. Peter, they trying to move? They trying to move? The way it was. That's the way it was. And in Matthew 23, Jesus gives what's essentially the guide to being a good hypocrite. So we're going to go through this. Now listen, we've all done some of these things. The key is as we hear these things today, we have to now do the opposite of what this list says. You ready? So the first area that Jesus talks about in Matthew 23 uh, about where we could be a good hypocrite was with God. You could actually be a hypocrite with God. You could pretend to have beliefs and opinions and values and virtues and standards with God that are not there. Here's how you know. You put your faith in your stuff and your abilities, not him and his word. That's been a hypocrite. To put your faith and your stuff and your abilities and not him or his word, that's evidence that you're being a good hypocrite. And we've all done that. 
We've all known that if we followed the word, that the word would work for us. But we got nervous. We got scared. And so we started trusting in us. We started trusting in who we knew. And we started trusting in what we knew to only find that neither one of those really made any of the difference. Because at the end of the day, unless the Lord's building what's going on in your life, you're building in vain. Here's another way. Jesus said, he told them, you neglect the most important things in Scripture in exchange for disputes about less important things. The most important things in Scripture are wrapped up in our mission as a church. They are to love God, to love people, and love life. And Jesus was saying to the Pharisees and the Sadducees that they were just part of the religious faction of the day. Jesus was saying to them, listen, you all make these huge disputes over little insignificant things, and you miss the weightier matters. Jesus was saying, you're sitting here talking about all of this deep spiritual stuff, and you're not even kind. Jesus said, you're making all this, the word of God says this, the word of God says this. And Jesus said, but you don't even treat your family right. Oh, Jesus said, you're neglecting the weightier matters of the scripture in exchange for disputes about stuff that really don't matter. That's hypocrisy. That's hypocrisy. It's quiet. Another way we're still under with God, being a, a, a good hypocrite with God, is you kill and crucify anyone God sends your way that tries to tell you the truth. You kill and crucify anyone that God sends your way that tries to tell you the truth. There's a story about, about a man who was on his roof and there was a flood. Uh, and the flood was coming up and the water was getting high. And as the water was getting high, the man was sitting on his roof and he prayed and he said, Lord, I know you love me. And he said, Lord, I know you don't want me to die like this. And he said, Lord, come rescue me. He prayed. Jesus' name, amen. Boop, done deal. A boat comes by. The boat comes by. Man, come on, man, get off that roof. Come on, man, we're here to save you. Come on, we're here to take you to, 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 to get on the dry land. Come on, man, let's go. It's all right. Y'all go ahead. I'm waiting on Jesus. I'm waiting on the Lord to come save me. Man on the boat was like, all right, deuces. Then a helicopter starts coming. The helicopter comes. They let the ladder out, and they start yelling from the helicopter, hey, man, come on, we're here to save you. Man yells back up to him, it's all right, I'm okay. I don't need your ladder. God's going to save me. They're like, man, we're finna go. Now, if you're going to come, let's go. I'm good. Y'all go ahead. The water ends up rising above the man's roof, and the man ends up dying. The man gets in front of God, and he says, God, I thought you loved me. God, why would you let me die like this? And God said, listen, I sent the boat. You ignored them. I sent the helicopter. You ignored them. So my only option left was to let you die in your own foolishness. Being part of being a, a hypocrite with God is that sometimes God's going to send people your way that are going to give you the answers. And the answers are going to be tough pills to swallow because it's going to reveal to you something about you. You got to change. Oh, but you ought to be thankful that God would love you enough to send somebody your way to tell you the truth. Oh, it's the truth that you know that makes you free. But when you're a hypocrite, you don't want to hear the truth. Because that's not part of your script. Because you're an actor. 
in the Greek. You're an actor reading a script. And when they come tell you the truth that the script needs to be thrown out, you kill them. You crucify them. They, they don't know what they're talking about. They ain't and let's be clear. Some folk don't know what they're talking about. Let's just be clear about that. Some folk, you need to just, ain't God sending you just, no, baby, you just, okay. But when, you're, but when you're a good hypocrite, you can't discern the two. You can't discern who's really trying to tell you the truth and who's just against you. So you crucify them both. But so what do you mean you crucify them? You talk about them. You throw them under the bus. You, 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 you say all kinds of crazy stuff because you don't want the truth to be heard. Ooh, it's quiet in the church. I was shouting a few minutes ago. Last thing to this section about being a hypocrite with God is that you make no attempt to practice what you're taught. It's good to hear, just not good to do. So you got notes for days at your house. You got every CD I have ever ministered, ever, in the entire historicity of me preaching. And you got them all. You got them lined up. You can, you can even go through the, through, the, through, the, through the different phases of the CD. You got the different phases. You see, it's phase one, and they changed the cover, then I got this, then they changed the cover. You, you got the different volumes. And, and when you're a good hypocrite, here's what you say to yourself. That's so good. Ooh, that's good. Ooh, he, ooh my God. Wow. It's good to hear. Just not good to do. That's hypocrisy with God. Here's the second area Jesus talked about where we could be good hypocrites is with yourself. Did you know you could be a pretender with yourself? A lot of people live in that place. It's called denial. And living in denial is wonderful because it's, just, it's bliss. It's just great because you get to create your own version of realistic events. You get to have your own dramatization of reality. Jesus said that they were being hypocrites with themselves, and here's, where, here's what he listed out. So here's the steps. Create another identity and show that person. You know people that create other identities. Because you see those different identities come out in front of different people. It's like, it's like, it's like a chameleon. It's like it, it changes. It, you know, they appear by the, by, by the, by the, by the podium and it's, they, it's black. They get back here. It's our wonderful custom-made teal or blue or whatever. Wherever they get, they create a person to match that rather than just being who God made them to be. And Jesus said that, that in the world, here's how people say it. Be true to yourself. That's how the world says it. And the problem is, how are you going to be true to somebody you don't know? Because you've been playing somebody else for so long, you're not sure who you are. Here's the next step he gave. He said, he said receive all the honor you can, but don't honor anyone else, especially not your spiritual leader. Jesus was saying, Jesus was saying to them, he was saying, you Pharisees, he said, you love for people to see you out in the courtyard and yell to you, Rabbi, Rabbi, and you love to hear the long robes, and he said, you love to have the seats of prestige and honor, he said, and you love to receive all of this honor, he said, but you refuse to give it to the ones that it's due to. He said, that's hypocrisy. Then he went on and said, he said, be worried about your outside rather than your inside. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm taking all of what Jesus said and making it very practical and pragmatic. Literally what he said in the text is he said, he said, your cup is dirty. That's what he told them. Something like them. He said, and you're so concerned about making sure the outside of the cup looks good that you forgot to check all of the sand that the dishwasher left on the inside of the cup. 
Y'all ain't saying nothing. You've been on somebody's house. I'll be talking about somebody else's house. You've been on somebody's house, and you, the outside of that cup looks good. Ooh, but when you start drinking, all of a sudden, you're looking on the side and saying, now, that ain't supposed to be in no glass. This is clear. Why is that yellow speck over there? You know, when somebody else, you know. Jesus said that's what the hypocrites do. They're so concerned about the outside of their cup that they don't even check to make sure that the inside of their cup has any substance. So they're so worried about keeping up appearances with everybody that they never made sure there was substance behind the appearances. Let me give you a very practical example. There was a movie that came out years ago. I think it was called Keeping Up with the Joneses or the Joneses or something. And what the movie was about uh, was that these marketing companies, they would send people to live in these different neighborhoods and have all of these high-quality, high-end products to get everybody else in the neighborhood to buy. Because uh, what people wanted to do is they didn't want to be outdone by other people because they saw themselves in competition with other people rather than in competition with themselves. And whenever you see yourself in competition with somebody else, you're always going to start making bad decisions because you don't know what they had to do in order to get where it is that they got so you see their glory but you don't know their story that's why i refuse to be in competition with anybody else but myself i i know i'm competing with me i'm gonna do outdo myself i ain't worried about what reverend this doing pastor this doing so and so i ain't studying them why because the moment i start competing with others i'm gonna be tempted to become a pretender that's what the word says now they would get all these products, and, and people would start buying this stuff, and they'd be like, oh, where'd you get that car? And then the man would go buy another car across the street. And then, then, then to outdo him, the, the, the company would get him a better car, and then by the time he got the new car, he felt bad because the man had already updated him by two versions of the car. Yeah. See, that's the problem. When you compete with other people, by the time you go back to check and look at what they got, you already underdone what they did. That's why you got to be thankful for what you got and celebrate what you got. Man, you may not be driving anything but a hoopty right now, but you better be thankful for your hoopty. Don't you be going getting in all kinds of crazy debt trying to keep up with somebody else. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? And so what happened is these people start, kept trying to keep up. And what eventually happened is that a man committed suicide because he got into so much debt trying to keep up with him that he just took his life. Now, now check out, check this out, check this out. When you're so worried about keeping up appearances and worried about the outside rather than the substance, what you will do is commit self-sabotage. Because what you're really telling God is, God, I'm not happy with what you've given me, nor who you've made me to be. And so what I want to do is I want to go take on the identity and persona of another. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Here's the, the last part to being a hypocrite with yourself. Jesus said, be a serpent. He, he called them serpents. And serpents and vipers uh, are, are very unique in Scripture. They're different things. Most times people think of a serpent, they think of a snake. Not so in Scripture. In Scripture, when you see serpent, it means deceiver. So check it out. Jesus was saying, you all are serpents. And he called them vipers too. He, he, he said, y'all are deceivers. Now check out, check out what serpents do. They deceive. They're deceptive. And they gossip. A lot of you get the point though, right? That's a serpent. Got it? So Jesus is saying, if you want to be a good hypocrite, be deceptive and talk about things which you ought not. Quiet in the church. Y'all be tearing the church up. Jesus said, he called them deceivers. He's called them deceivers because what he was really saying is, is that y'all would know the truth if it showed up, wrote you a note, sent you a text, 
tweeted you, left a comment on your Facebook page, and emailed you. Jesus said, the truth just evades you. you, you just, the truth comes and it, it can't never seem to get to you. It's being a hypocrite. Last era, and I'm through, Jesus talked about being a good hypocrite. And he was talking in Matthew 23. It was a guide to being a good hypocrite. He was rebuking them for it, but he was really telling them all about what being a good hypocrite was. You ready for this first one? Under others. Only do good things when you're being seen by others. Because after all, they're your audience, not God. Now, we've all done that at some point in our lives where we've done something for somebody. Let, let me prove it to you. Single folk, you, you, you don't normally do all that extra, but because you know you were going to see somebody at the, no, let's say the Piggly Willie, they ain't got these here. <laughs> ain't got those here. You, you know you're going to see somebody in the store. Because you're a stalker and you know every time they go to the store. So you knew. <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, and so you knew. You don't normally do all of that. I mean, you, you got it all done. Not just makeup. You got eyeliner, eyeshadow, pink uh, sparkles over here. and I mean, you did it up. You don't normally do it, but because, watch this, you were performing for that audience. You change what you normally do to impress them. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, you can't be trying to perform for people. You got to perform for me. God says, I'm the only audience that matters. So you see $20 on the floor. You look around, no cameras and nobody looking at you. You think, oh, God is so good to me. God has been good. Thank you, Jesus. That ain't your money. Uh -huh. I just, I had asked the Lord for $20 earlier today and I found it on the floor. <laughs> Maybe God was seeing whether or not you were still the pretender or not. Because when you took them the 20, they were going to give you 200. On the other side of a test is a reward. Don't pass the test. Don't experience the reward. God's the only audience that we're supposed to be performing for. And I use that word loosely, but he's the, he's the main audience. We've got to be looking at what we're doing and why we're doing it. You hear what I'm saying? It's so important. If, 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 you, if you start... Before, I, I, I was this week and I was going somewhere and going to do something and I was thinking to myself, well, I'm not going to do that because it ain't going to really make no difference and you know, people ain't going to notice it and this and that and the other and whatever. And I said, I can save myself a little time and God immediately stopped me and he said, why would you not be who you are because of somebody else? Well, which means this, check this out. Whether or not somebody ever gives you credit, somebody ever notices you, somebody ever says, good job. As believers, we do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And my reward doesn't come from people. My reward comes from God. Then Jesus went on and uh, he was talking to them. And this is what he essentially said. Keep others from experiencing a life uh, that they enjoy because if you can't have it, why should they? You, you got folk like that uh, in your life. You got to be careful. There's a principle in scripture that says never let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. And sometimes you got to be careful uh, in telling everybody everything. Uh 
Because sometimes everybody that's with you ain't for you. Oh, I can't get nobody to say nothing to me. Uh, 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 because sometimes people, uh, uh, the moment they see you getting ready to enjoy your life, they want to shoot all kind of holes in the plan. Because if they're not enjoying theirs, why in the heaven should you enjoy yours? Oh, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Well, watch this. We want people, and, and everybody wants people to tell them the truth. But, but here's the thing, truth tellers. Give it a little time. Okay, let me prove to you. Let me prove to you. You call somebody, and, and you, matter of fact, there are some people you don't even call because you know how it's going to go. But you call somebody and say, oh, I, I just got accepted into school. No congratulations, no good job, no nothing. The first thing they say, well, you know school expensive. How are you going to pay for that? Can you give me 45 seconds? Why you got to rain on my thing that quick? Just give me anybody. Okay, y'all going to sit up here and act like you're in there. Can you give me a few minutes? Oh, I just got a new car. Oh, well, what's the interest rate? You know the interest rate? Really? Can you just ask me what color it is? I ain't put no armor on on the tires yet. And you already sitting here talking about all that. Amen. Tell the truth, but give folk a little time to enjoy it. It's all about your approach, all about the way you do it. So somebody comes to you and they're happy about it. You say, that's great. Congratulations. That's wonderful. What you going to be studying? Oh, I'm studying this. Oh, that's fantastic. That Man, that's just really, really great. And just, you know, let them keep on talking. Then say, just something for you to consider. You know, uh, you're getting grants or something? Or how are you going to pay for that? Give them some time to enjoy it. Because when you're celebrating something, you want some time to enjoy it. And you know what? You'll get really, really ticked off if they don't let you enjoy it. Amen. To the point where some folks, you'll let somebody steal all of your celebration because they had one little negative thing to say. You got to learn how to not let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Sometimes you can't tell people about it until it's done. That's why Habakkuk chapter 2 says, let the vision speak for itself means I ain't got to always announce stuff sometimes. Sometimes you're just going to show up and see and be like, oh, mm -hmm, that's how we do it. Amen. Last thing about being a hypocrite with others. Magnify the faults of others and completely ignore yours, which after all is far smaller than theirs. Remember, we're talking about how to be a good hypocrite, right? Jesus said it like this. He said, why do you, hypocrite, Say to your brother, come here. Let me remove this speck out of your eye. Notice the whole setup of it. Come here. Let me help you. And Jesus said, but you don't even consider. You got the whole forest. Somebody come in on a match, it's going to be a fire. The plank in your eye. When you're a good hypocrite, you see everybody else's stuff is far worse than yours. Matter of fact, let me prove it to you. Here, here's how you know, because you know folks like that. Here's what they'll say. They'll say they, they, they like to magnify the stuff everybody can see. They like to magnify uh, the sins that are uh, visibly evident. So they'll say, well, that person smokes and they drink and they sleep around. And so they'll say, man, they smoke and drink and sleep around. I, I may do this, but at least mine ain't that. You know, I, I, I may lie, but at least I don't drink. 
there's no levels of sin, man. Each thing has a different consequence, but they're all going to end in one place, death and destruction. But religious folk, that's what they'll do. They'll look at your stuff like it's so bad and won't even consider their own stuff. So they'll look at somebody and say, well, well, you know, this person ain't doing this, this person ain't doing this. But then God looks back and say, but you're evil in your heart. You ain't got nothing good to say to nobody with your evil self. And you come here and let me help you. No, let me help you. If you want to wreck your life, just follow those easy steps to being a good hypocrite. Be a hypocrite with God. Be a pretender with yourself. And be a pretender with others. If you do that, I promise you, you will wreck your life. But wait, there's more. If you keep being a good hypocrite today after heard the truth and hearing the truth, what opportunity will you miss over these next couple of days? I think there's some folks in the house that say, Lord, I won't be no good hypocrite. That ain't for me. Everybody say it with me. Say, Lord, being a good hypocrite, that's not for me. I ask your forgiveness for it right now. Help me to see myself and get that right before I put myself in a place of fixing everybody else. Everybody standing on your feet with me. You receive that word. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday experiences are what people love the most about travel viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking mount kilimanjaro in tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the caribbean they offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries there's something for everyone Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.